0: Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Acox, here are today's top stories. Anticipation builds for the police body cam footage of the fatal traffic stop of Tyree Nichols. Officials call for calm ahead of the video's release tonight. Footage showing the altercation between Nancy Pelosi's husband and his attacker is now public. We'll show you what the police body cam captured and what Paul Pelosi mentioned during a 911 call. Members of the Republican National Committee voted today for the next chairman. Did Ronna McDaniel win a fourth term? We give you the latest. An EU official says Russia is now at war against NATO and the West. That says Russia says the US has the power to end the conflict. Meanwhile, former President Trump warns against a possible World War III. And could artificial intelligence steal your job? Experts are sounding the alarm after a program is making rapid progress and handling various kinds of tasks. <music> the footage of the arrest and beating that led to Tyree Nichols' death is set to be released tonight. Officials this afternoon call for calm. And just a warning, some of the following footage may be disturbing. Across the nation... As the Department of Justice
1: conducts a full investigation and state authorities continue their work, the president has joined Tyree's family in calling for protests to remain peaceful.
2: And in New York. I believe that New Yorkers uh, should have the right to peacefully uh, voice their concern over uh, if the video is what we anticipated uh, uh, to be.
0: But, again, I will ask everyone to heed the words of Tyree Nichols' mother on behalf of her family and his four-year-old child. Pete, if you're going to protest, please do so peacefully in her son's memory. Words of caution mixed with condolence. Officials anticipating an intense night of grief and agitation on the streets following the release of body cam footage of the traffic stops preceding Tyree Nichols' death.
3: One officer kicked him like he was kicking a football.
0: You're going to see acts that
4: defy humanity.
0: That's how Tyree Nichols' stepfather and the Memphis police chief described the disturbing video that shows the fatal encounter. The five black police officers involved were fired and arrested. Twenty-nine-year-old Nichols was pulled over in a traffic stop on January 7th. He would die three days later in the hospital. The Memphis police chief says they haven't been able to find probable cause for the traffic stop. The former officers involved said it was for reckless driving.
4: We have been unable to substantiate that at
0: this time. The five officers have been charged with second-degree murder, along with several other charges.
5: I think people can draw their own conclusions, but I don't imagine there will be a lot of perceived
1: ambiguity.
0: Anticipation runs high. Attorney General Merrick Garland and FBI Director Christopher Wray calling the footage horrific.
1: But I have been briefed on that video. Um, it is deeply disturbing. Uh, uh, let me say, horrific from the descriptions I've been given. I was appalled.
5: We will pursue, as has already been announced, an investigation here.
0: The victim's family says they want this footage to be seen by the public.
3: Hopefully from this situation that we have reformed, that police get better training.
0: The footage is expected to be released at 7 p.m. Eastern time, Friday night. AUTHORITIES TODAY RELEASED A VIDEO SHOWING PAUL PELOSI BEING ATTACKED IN HIS HOME LAST OCTOBER, AS WELL AS SECURITY CAMERA FOOTAGE OF THE SUSPECT BREAKING IN. AND JUST A WARNING THAT SOME OF THE FOOTAGE AND AUDIO MAY BE DISTURBING.
3: SAN FRANCISCO SUPERIOR COURT ON FRIDAY RELEASED the VIDEO AND AUDIO RECORDED DURING LAST YEAR'S ATTACK ON PAUL PELOSI. THIS COMES AFTER A CALIFORNIA COURT RULED THE DISTRICT ATTORNEY'S OFFICE MUST MAKE THE MATERIALS PUBLIC. One of the videos shows body cam footage from officers who arrived at Paul Pelosi's home on October 28th, 2022, when he was with suspect David Depap. In the video, after the door to Pelosi's residence opens, Paul Pelosi and DePapp both appear to have one hand on the hammer and DePapp is holding Pelosi's arm.
2: Hi. Hey guys. How you doing? How are you? What's going on, man? Everything's good. Hi. Hi. Drop Hi. the hammer.
6: No. Nope. Hey. hey, hey, hey. What is Party going on number, I'm here? not getting any answer on call. Oh, oh, oh.
3: After DePap appears to strike Pelosi with the hammer, officers then rushed in to disarm DePap. Audio from Pelosi's 911 call was also released.
6: Oh, well, there's a gentleman uh, here just waiting for my wife to come back. Nancy Pelosi. Uh, he's just uh, waiting for her to come back. But she's not going to be here for a day, so I guess we'll have to wait.
4: Okay, who? What's the gentleman's
7: name?
6: I don't know. What's that? My name's David. Da- the name is David.
7: Okay, and who is David? T Five. I, I don't so, know. T- I, what's that?
6: I'm a friend of theirs. Yeah, I. I uh, he says he's a friend, but as but I said, uh, I've never. But
7: you don't know who he is. Five. And no, no, ma'am. T-
3: Lawyers for DePap had argued against releasing the footage and audio, saying it would irreparably damage his right to a fair trial. The suspect has pleaded not guilty to state and federal charges. Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi revealed in a CNN interview that her 82-year-old husband is, quote, doing okay, and it will still take a little while for him to be back to normal. According to court papers, DePap mentioned other targets aside from Pelosi, including California Governor Gavin Newsom and Hunter Biden, in that, quote, there is evil in Washington. DePap is scheduled to appear in court in February.
0: You might be at risk of losing your job to AI. Experts are sounding the alarm after a new artificial intelligence program was recently launched.
1: An artificial intelligence system called ChatGPT has passed an MBA final exam, can write reports, and much more. Experts are now warning that some jobs could become obsolete in the future. The program was able to get better scores than some students during a graduate level exam at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School. Some professors have expressed alarm about students using the service to cheat on exams or their homework. ChatGPT works in many ways. Users can, for example, ask the program to write a poem, a medical paper, a song, or, of course, the answers to specific questions from exams. Experts say the program is so good, it could already replace many jobs. An educator told the New York Post that AI is replacing the white-collar workers. I don't think anyone can stop that. This is not crying wolf. The wolf is at the door. He added that jobs in the financial sector, healthcare, publishing, and other industries are vulnerable. A professor at NYU told the outlet, Some simple website designers and engineers are also at risk of losing their jobs. I worry for such people. Now I can just ask ChatGPT to generate a website for me. Any type of person whose routine job would be doing this for me is no longer needed. The job areas apparently most at risk are education, professors say the program can easily give classes, Finance, ChatGPT can do Excel modeling much faster than humans can. Software engineering, it can also write code to create websites. Journalism, the program can write scripts, summarize texts, and more. And graphic design. The AI system still has some kinks with simple tasks. For publishing, it can't differentiate between real citations and fake ones. In business, it reportedly makes mistakes on 6th grade level math. And in law, researchers at the University of Minnesota found that it scored an average of a C+, plus, below the human average of B+. Plus. However, researchers at UPenn found that it quickly corrected with only a little human input. Users have also complained both about a racial bias and that it selectively refuses prompts that go against liberal views. New York City public schools have already banned ChatGPT. Reporting by Arian Pastar, NTD News.
0: The United States Justice Department and FBI have launched an investigation against Snapchat. Federal authorities say drug dealers may be using the social media platform to sell fentanyl-laced pills to unsuspecting teenagers.
7: Snap, the Santa Monica-based company behind Snapchat, is facing a federal probe. Federal authorities announced on January 25th that they are looking into whether the social media platform is being used for drug sales. An attorney who works with families of victims who died from fentanyl-laced pills says the situation has been happening for a long time.
5: Over the last uh, several years, uh, Snapchat has become uh, the vehicle of choice uh, for uh, drug dealers to ply their deadly trade of uh, uh, fentanyl-laced drugs. Uh, And in some instances, we have cases where uh, the same dealer Uh, Has supplied uh, children with drugs uh, that caused uh, grievous injury or death uh, within a year.
7: Bergman says many of the children who died from fentanyl laced pills purchased via Snapchat bought them unknowingly. A Snap representative said in a statement the company is committed to doing our part to fight the national fentanyl poisoning crisis, which includes using cutting edge technology to help us proactively find and shut down drug dealers' accounts. The company added that it continually supports law enforcement in drug sale investigations and that, quote, we block search results for drug-related terms, redirecting Snapchatters to resources from experts about the dangers of fentanyl. NTD reached out to Snapchat for additional comments. According to sources, the collaborative probe between FBI agents and U.S. Justice Department attorneys will include interviews with parents of children who have died from overdoses. Investigators are trying to access the victims' social media accounts to identify the drug suppliers.
0: And Ronna McDaniel has been reelected to chair the Republican National Committee for another term. But not all members of the RNC are happy with the outcome. And His Jason Perry has that story.
2: On Friday, 168 members of the Republican National Committee voted for the next chairman of the Republican National Committee, or RNC, and Ronna McDaniel was elected for her fourth term. She received 111 of the 168 votes. The chair of the Kansas Republican Party said, we need the continuity at this point in time. There's really no one challenging her that offers anything that is materially different than what she will do as our leader. McDaniel ran against Pillow CEO Mike Lindell and Harmeet Dillon, who was a legal advisor to former President Donald Trump's 2020 campaign. Lindell said this on Steve Bannon's war room shortly before the
0: vote. No matter what happens today, we need to hold either one of them accountable for our election platforms. The people want me in there for number one reason, straighten out our elections and straighten out the RNC so people will have trust bringing back to the RNC.
2: Lindell received four of the 168 votes, and Dylan 51. Dylan is pushing for the RNC headquarters to be moved out of D.C. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis agreed with the idea in an interview with Charlie
6: Kirk. So I think you get it in real parts of the country. You attract people who wanna, who wanna live in those parts of the country, not D.C. insiders. But I do think we need some fresh thinking. And I here's the thing, just just practically speaking, You need grassroots Republicans to power this organization with volunteering and donations. I think it's going to be very difficult to energize people to want to give money, to want to volunteer their time with the RNC if they don't see a change in direction.
2: The Republican parties in Texas and Alabama declared they have, quote, no confidence in McDaniel's leadership. Jason Perry, NTD News.
0: And today, an EU official said that Russia has moved the war to a different stage and that the West is sending tanks to Ukraine to possibly save lives. Meanwhile, the World Health Organization seems to be preparing for nuclear war. NTD's Arlene Richards reports.
4: In dual announcements on Wednesday, the U.S. and its allies announced plans to send some of their finest tanks to Ukraine. During the talks leading up to this decision, Russia warned that arming Ukraine could trigger a nuclear war. But an EU official said the war evolved when Russia moved it into a different stage. Speaking at a press conference in Tokyo on Friday, the secretary-general of the EU's European External Action Service said Russia moved from a concept of special operation to a concept now of a war against NATO and the West. He added that the EU is not looking to escalate hostilities, but is just giving the possibility of saving lives and allowing the Ukrainians to defend themselves from these barbaric attacks. Meanwhile, the Kremlin said on Friday that the U.S. holds the key to ending the war in Ukraine, but refuses to use it. Spokesman Dmitry Peskov accused President Biden of pumping weapons into Ukraine instead. The U.S. has accused Russia of bringing Europe closer to a full-blown war, an outcome Biden said would have enormous consequences worldwide. Meanwhile, the U.S. has suggested thousands of U.S. troops could be deployed soon to shore up allies' defenses in Eastern Europe. As the two sides blame one another, the World Health Organization seems to be preparing for the worst. The WHO updated its list of medicines to stockpile for radiation or nuclear emergencies hours after the EU warned that Russia is at war with the West. In a new report released on Friday, the WHO gave policy guidance on preparing for a nuclear catastrophe. Dr. Maria Naira, WHO Acting Assistant Director General, said governments should prepare by having ready supplies of life-saving medicines that will reduce risk and treat injuries from radiation. While the WHO prepares for a catastrophe, former President Trump says a major disaster is brewing. In a Truth Social post, Trump said if he were president, the Russia-Ukraine war would never have happened. And even if it did happen, he would be able to negotiate an end to this horrible and rapidly escalating war within 24 hours. But since Trump isn't the president, the clock is still ticking and it's been ticking for 76 years. The Doomsday Clock attempts to gauge how close humanity is coming to destroying the world. On Tuesday, the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists set the clock at 90 seconds until midnight, the closest to the hour it has ever been, they said. Midnight represents the moment humanity makes Earth uninhabitable. The Bulletin said the decision to move the clock 10 seconds forward is largely due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the increased risk of nuclear war. Arlene Richards, NTD News.
0: And in a series of videos posted on Truth Social, former President Trump commented on national and world issues, from the Ukraine war to crime in D.C.
2: And we had no wars during the Trump administration. We had no wars, remember that, because we were strong, the other side knew it, and they didn't want to play games, they didn't want to mess around.
0: He said the U.S. has become the investigation capital of the world, referring to the number of investigations that have been launched against him, as well as the classified documents scandals. He said America's enemies, quote, could not be happier as they brilliantly plot our demise and destruction. In other videos, Trump criticized what he called weak on crime policies in D.C. and Atlanta. He criticized the Washington, D.C. City Council's recent bill, which he said would open the jailhouse doors to release violent felons. He said that D.C. is letting criminals run wild while many January 6 protesters remain in jail. Trump also blasted the violent riots in Atlanta carried out by what he called radical left anarchists. is International Holocaust Remembrance Day. It's been said that learning from the past can prevent us from repeating it. Yet, as we look back on the past year alone, anti-Semitic incidents hit a record high in the U.S. That's according to the Anti-Defamation League. And it seems to be part of an alarming trend around the world. But there's also a movement of people working to bring an end to this kind of violence. And I spoke with Yuval David to learn more about it. He's an Emmy award-winning filmmaker, actor, and director, and director of mobilization for the End Jew Hatred movement. Yuval David, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so
6: much for having me on.
0: Now, today is International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Why is it important, do you think, to reflect on the lessons and losses of the past in this present moment?
6: It's beyond reflecting on the lessons and the losses of the past. It's focusing on a tragedy, on a travesty, on human rights violations at such a massive scale. Because we're seeing so much that is happening today in our society where hate is allowed to proliferate. And we're even seeing this pandemic of Jew hatred, not just in the United States, but truly across the world. I'm a grandchild of Holocaust survivors. My grandparents are well-recognized heroes and survivors of the war. I was raised not just with those, that epigenetics, what was passed down to me genetically, those, those generationally past traumas, but raised with their stories since I was a little kid, understanding how I need to make this life as best as it can be, not just for me, not just for my family, but for my community and my people
0: anti-Semitic incidents are actually hit a record high in the U.S. last year, up 34 percent from the year before. What are your thoughts on that?
6: Up 34 percent from the year before, which was up from the year before that. Hate truly has been flourishing, not in the shadows where we're used to knowing that hate and evil lurks, but it's out in the light. People are sharing this, not just on social media, but in all forms of media, we're seeing Jew hatred, whether as down-punching or up-punching. So that means that more people need to speak
0: out. You've said that there seems to be no line now in terms of the types of hate crimes committed against Jews. Could you tell me more about that?
6: There truly is no line. We're seeing hate crimes against Jews in public spaces, in streets. There are people even in New York City, which has a significantly large Jewish population, where Jews are getting beaten up, Jews are getting targeted. People who even just wear things like this, again David, around their necks are being targeted because they're recognized as Jews. We're seeing the hatred come from the right and from the left, from conservative religious groups and from liberal progressive woke groups. We're seeing this hatred coming from so many different places. So here's the question. What do we do to end Jew hatred? What do we do to combat hatred. It's about the unity of community. It's about not only unifying the Jewish community and our allies, but unifying all marginalized and victimized communities together. Because when one group is being targeted, the ramifications will affect every other marginalized and victimized group. We're hearing this expression, the canary in the coal mine, a lot. When Jew hatred is allowed to proliferate, that's the canary in the coal mine showing that there are worse evils yet to come. Those worse evils are happening today. We need to speak out. We need to take action.
0: And your organization has been working towards ending hatred against Jews on many fronts. Could you tell our viewers about that?
6: The End Jew Hatred movement is the first civil rights and social justice movement for the Jewish people. We're meeting with elected officials, we're trying to get elected officials to pass proclamations to pronounce April 29th as End Jew Hatred Day. We need to have a day, just like all of these other days that there are, from uh, days of recognition for different identities. We need to have one to identify this hatred that's happening. But beyond End Jew Hatred Day, we're mobilizing community activists across the world, creating chapters of people who care and want to fight Jew hatred. We're getting people unified. It's a grassroots movement. It's about the people.
0: And what can individuals do, do you think, to help bring an end to hatred against Jews?
6: There's a lot individuals can do to bring about this the end of hatred against Jews. First of all, partner with us. The End Jew Hatred movement always asks, what can we do for you? What is it that you need from the movement? It's about the people. It's a movement of the people. Another thing that people can do, other than reaching out to the End Jew Hatred movement or to many uh, other Jewish organizations, is reach out to your elected officials. If you are being targeted, if you are being victimized, or if you're concerned about it, reach out to your elected officials. Remind them that you represent them just as much as they represent you. They need to hear from you, whether it's letters, phone calls, Now, setting up meetings at their offices, or write articles, go on air, maybe even run for office yourself. There's so much that can be done politically. Now, socially, what can be done? Is there somebody who's being victimized or has been victimized in your community? Reach out to them and show that you are part of their support system. Support them, help them, speak to them. Remind them that you are there, that they are not alone. And if we can be a powerful force together, We can end this hatred. We can end the hatred by bringing together the power of support, the power of community, and the power of hopeful optimism that we can create a brighter future. It can happen if more of us take action.
0: Yuval David, Emmy award-winning filmmaker, actor, and director, and director of mobilization at the End Jew Hatred Movement. Appreciate your time. And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories.
5: Thank you Steph. Novak Djokovic is back in the finals of the Australian Open after downing American Tommy Paul in straight sets this morning. For Paul, the semifinals appearance was his best ever result in a major. The 25-year-old was one of three Americans to reach the quarters, though none reached the finals. Meanwhile, Djokovic extended his record by winning his 27th straight match in Melbourne. His nine titles there are also record, and he's never lost in the finals. The 35-year-old will face Stefanos Tsitsipas, whose only previous Grand Slam finals appearance was a five-set loss to Djokovic at the French Open nearly two years ago. Should Djokovic prevail, he'll not only tie Rafael Nadal with his 22nd major title, he'll ascend back to the top of the ATP rankings. And sad news in college basketball is Emmy award-winning broadcaster Billy Packer passed away last night at the age of 82. The announcement was made by his son, Mark, on social media. Packer had been hospitalized in recent weeks with several issues and ultimately died of kidney failure. He was most known for his work as the color commentator for the Final Four from 1975 through 2008. His pole no punches style sometimes rankled fans, yet made him a popular voice courtside. Packer, who also called ACC games during the regular season, won a sports Emmy for Outstanding Sports Personality in 1993. He also played basketball at Wake Forest and was inducted to the College Basketball Hall of Fame in 2008. And for your sports spewing schedule tonight, the NBA has five games on tap, including Memphis and all-star guard John Morant, who's 10th in the league in scoring and 6th in assists, playing at Minnesota. And finally, for you hockey fans, the NHL has eight games planned, featuring the West-leading Dallas Stars taking on the New Jersey Devils. And that's all for your sports news today. Back to you, Steph.
0: Thanks, Dave. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie A. Cox. Good night. <laughs>